Hi there, I'm Pastor Rod Parsley, and I sure want to thank you for listening to today's podcast. I'm the senior pastor of World Harvest Church, where we love God and love people, and I hope you'll be inspired by today's message. Now, for more great content and lots of updates, I'd love to connect with you online at rodparsley.com. But right now, let's head into today's episode. Genesis 22, 12 to 14, Jehovah Jireh. Say it, Jehovah Jireh. How big is your God? He's big enough to be El Shaddai and Elohim. He's big enough to be Jehovah Mekedesh. He is big enough to be Jehovah Shalom, Jehovah Tidkanu, Jehovah Rafika, Jehovah Rohi. And he's big enough to be Jehovah Jireh. I'm going to convince you today that the God you're serving is bigger than you prayed, bigger than you believed, bigger than you hoped, bigger than you perceived. And he is not weary or worn. He is not tired. Jehovah Jireh, the Lord who provides. Write it down. The Lord who provides. I like this. He is literally Jehovah Jireh, the God, Dr. Jewett, the God, not only who supplies, not only who provides. I like this part. He is the God who sees to it. Shove somebody on the shoulder and tell them, my God's big enough to see to it. He's big enough to look after it. (laughs) My God is gazing over the sapphire sill of heaven's gate this morning and he is focused in on you and he is declaring out of the ethereal pavilions of heaven, you are mine and I am yours and I bless you coming in and I bless you going out and you cannot bless what God has cursed but I need the devil to know you cannot curse what God has blessed. Give him praise, give him glory. Get up and shout unto his name. Go ahead and shout, I am blessed, I am blessed, I am blessed, and I cannot be cursed. My God is seeing to it. Write this down, Matthew 6, verse 24. Therefore I say unto you, don't worry, be happy. A book if you know the title of that song, or who sang that song. Huh? Bobby? McFerrin, don't worry, be happy. I wish some Christians, sometimes I didn't feel like walking up to Christians going, act like they're serving some tiny little God. 
that because somebody is in the White House and not in the White House, God fell off his throne because they're going to increase your taxes. Oh my God, what am I going to do? Pay them. I don't care. My God sees to it. If bread goes to $100 a loaf, I'm not going to have money to buy a loaf. I'm going to buy the flipping bakery. That's right, I said flipping. It's my birthday. My God is looking after me. My God is seeing to it. My God is taking care of it. He said, don't worry. Worry is an insult to the size and the scope and the infinity of your God. Worry says he's not big enough. Worry says he's not strong enough. Worry says he's not capable. Worry says he can't see, much less see to it. But I've got a Bible that says my God shall supply Oh, my need, he's big enough. I dare you to shout he's big enough. He goes on and said, don't worry about your life. Don't worry about what you're going to eat, what you're going to drink. Don't worry about your body. Shout, I'm healed. Because he's not only Jehovah Jireh, he is Jehovah Rapha, the Lord God, my healer. He's seeing to your healing right now. He's looking after your physical situation right now. It is impossible for the God you serve to do nothing. Touch! Shout! Lay your hands on yourself and say, touch! I gotta hurry. He said, don't worry about what you're gonna put on. Oh, you little faith. Why do you worry? Saying, what will I eat? What will I wear? After all these things, the Gentiles seek. For your heavenly Father knows that you have need of all these things. But, clap your hands with me. But, seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and everything else is going to be all right. Somebody get up and praise him that everything's going to be all right. How about this one? Philippians 4, 19. My God shall supply all my need by the measure of his riches. You're not bound by the circumstance of your employment. You are not bound by the meager circumstances of the United States economy. You are not bound by the Dow Jones exchange. That is the horizon 
That's as far as you can see. But I'm here to tell you Ephesians 3.20 shouts now, right now, now. Everything's about to change because there is a seed that changes everything forever. My God, now unto him. Do it with me, say now under him who is able to do exceeding abundantly above all that I could ever ask or think according to his power which is working. Right now it's working. Which is working. It's working now. Now it's working. It's working when I can't see it. It's working when I can't hear it. It's working when I can't feel it. It's working. His mighty power is working. He's about to see to it. Here we go. Psalm 37, 4. Delight yourself. <laughs> Don't look like you spent the night upside down in a post hole. Delight yourself. David said, encourage myself. I encourage. Sometimes there's nobody to encourage you. And we ought to be encouraging each other. I said, we ought to be an encouragement. Help me somebody. How big is your God? Delight yourself in him. Get happy about him. Don't look like you've been baptized in vinegar. Get happy about him. Delight yourself in the Lord and he will give you I don't mean to quote the Bible to you. He will give you. Stop. Look at your neighbor. Look at the other neighbor. They're better looking. And say, right out loud. Say, right out loud. Say, what do you want? I'm not talking about your desire. Good God in heaven, if Disney can let Buzz Lightyear go to infinity and beyond, where do you think God wants to take you? Give him praise, quit being weak. Give him glory. Exalt his name. The bigger you shout he is, the bigger he becomes. Genesis 37, 25. I have been young. <laughs> I can quote this one now. <laughs> I, I have been young. And now I'm old. 
Old doesn't mean tired. And now I am old. Say it, and now I'm old. And I have never. I have never. I have never seen the righteous forsaken nor his seed begging bread. How big is your God? First Timothy 1 Timothy 1:17. Now unto the king, <laughs> eternal, immortal, invisible, the only wise God, be honor and glory forever and forever. So be it. Louis Lamar first spoke these words. There will come a time when you think it is finished. I, I do that when I feel my help coming. There will come a time when you think it is finished. I'm trying to get a witness. There will come a time. There probably. Let me just venture a guess. There probably has already come a time. <laughs> when you thought it was finished. Mark that point. Write down that date. Put it in your cell phone on reminder. That will be the beginning. Stomp your foot twice and say, today it all begins. I wish I had time to preach, man. I, I want to preach. I can't. <laughs> no, I can't. <laughs> I can't do it. I'm to page one of 17. Hi, God. I want to proclaim to you today that you are about to accomplish what everybody else has declared to be impossible. Saint Francis of Assisi proclaimed, first do first things first. First do what is necessary. God said it this way, whatever your hand finds to do, Quit looking for a throne and grab a towel. I'm gonna try over here. God said, whatever your hand finds to do, dirty feet that need washing, 
Whatever your hand finds to do, do it. And don't do it halfway. And don't do it almost. And don't be a wish I coulda, shoulda, maybe woulda, might have. Quit whining over what you could have done better and start right now. Whatever your hand finds to do, do it. Do it with your whole heart. Do it with your whole mind. Do it with all your strength. St. Francis of Assisi said, first do what is necessary and then do what is possible. See, don't do what's possible first. Do what's necessary first. Then do what's possible. And St. Francis of Assisi said, before you know it, you'll be doing the impossible. I dare you to say, I'm gonna do what's necessary and I'm gonna do what's possible and then I'm gonna do what's impossible. A generation ago, a generation ago, President John Fitzgerald Kennedy, anybody remember him? captured America's attention and imagination by announcing that we would land men on the moon in the 1960s. How many of you were not born in the 1960s? Uh-huh, you don't remember anything about this. But I remember that a man would be so bold enough. I remember as a nine-year-old boy going out there and looking up in the heavens and seeing the moon and thinking that a human being was gonna walk on the moon. Well, the skeptics scoffed. They said it was an impractical goal that would prove too costly. There's always somebody hollering, it's gonna cost too much. We can't fix the nursery, it's gonna cost too much. We can't go on more television stations. It's gonna cost too much. We can't, you like that deacon. Deacon said, preacher, preacher. Said, let the church rise. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Amen, said Deacon Jones, let the church rise. Preacher felt good now. Let the church walk. Yeah, yeah, said Deacon Jones. Let the church walk. Let the church run, said the preacher. Yeah, yeah, said Deacon Jones. Let the church walk. Let her run, said the preacher. My God, let her run, said Deacon Jones. Let her fly, said the preacher. Yes, sir, preach, elder, said Deacon Jones. It'll take money for the church to fly, said the preacher. Mm, let her walk, said Deacon Jones.
There's always somebody saying it's gonna cost too much. It's impractical. It'll take too much time. It's, we don't have enough talent. It'll take too much tre treasure. Others claim it involved too much risk. Faith is always risky. When a word from God is given, reason is never required. Faith and faith alone have to answer that door. Others flatly said, it cannot be done. I've got a statement for you to write down. The man doing it should not be interrupted by the man saying it cannot be done. My generation grew up watching televised images of those rockets rising up into the clouds. Why, in elementary school, they'd roll that black and white TV in there to the third grade and they'd make us watch on public broadcasting those great rocket ships rising up off the face of the earth. I see that steam, witness that smoke, hurl those intrepid voyagers to destinations that they had just a few years before said were the exclusive domain of science fiction. But on July 20th, 1969, I was a nine-year-old boy watching in the basement on Marilla Road, just off South High Street in the southeast end of Columbus, Ohio, next to Parsons Avenue, the bar capital of the world, watching my mom and daddy work two jobs a day and eat every meal, breakfast, and dinner together. We didn't know anything about McDonald's or Burger Boy Foodorama. <laughs> Thank God, we didn't know nothing about a big boy. We knew about fried potato pancakes. My mother and father sat us down at the table twice a day, worked two jobs a day, and we never missed Sunday morning, and we never missed Sunday night, and we never missed Wednesday night. I get a little weary with folks saying it can't be done. You are wasting your breath on me. I'm nine years old in the basement, Marilla Road, watching a black and white three channel, get up off your lazy and get over there and turn the channel. My sister and I had to go back and forth, which one of us had the responsibility of holding the rabbit ears with the tin foil attached to try to catch that signal. And I will never forget the day that the impossible became probable. I will never forget the day we went beyond the stars. I will never forget the day that President Kennedy's dream was fulfilled and Neil Armstrong stepped off of Apollo 11, climbed down that ladder onto the surface of the moon and shouted that is one small step for man and one giant leap for mankind. I wanna know who is willing to go with me where you have never been. Ah! 
death became the last horizon to be conquered. That all changed. Somebody shout, that all changed. On, if you're finding me, page seven. That all changed on the morning of the third day because Matthew announced the Son of God is risen. Hallelujah. Jesus is alive and well, and he got up. Jesus Christ, the Lord of glory, was raised up by the omnipotent power of God Almighty and set forth with profound effect upon the horizon by the resurrection from the dead. And if God freely gave us Jesus, how much more shall he give us all things that pertain to life and to godliness. Somebody shout, how big is your God? Hey God. God must not be bound by your natural tendency to limit him which is based on what you have previously seen him do, nor heard from him, nor experienced of him. Because I am here to tell you that my assignment, if you will allow me to be so bold, is to force you beyond your horizon so you can experience what you have never dreamed was possible. God is about to get up, get up, get up on the other side of everything you previously perceived him to be. He's about to show up with everything in his hand that you've been trusting him to provide. But that's not all because if you've been believing for it by the eye of faith, you've already seen it. I'm here to tell you that in the days to come, I believe God is about to do more much, much more. He's about to manifest himself to you in mighty demonstrations of provision that you have heretofore not even been brave enough to ask him to provide. Jeremiah 29, 11. I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord you to jump up on your feet and shout, God has a plan for me. What kind of plan? Plans to prosper me and not to harm me. Plans to give me a hope and a future. Job knew a little bit about it. Job 26, 7. I had the privilege of sharing just a little bit about it last week. Job 26, 7 said, He, God, stretched out the north over the empty place and hung the earth on nothing. Mm. 
Now, I don't have a PhD. What PhD a lot of times means to me is I have to show you how to do it. I don't have a PhD, but I'd like to elaborate on that question from Shadrach, Meshach, Lockridge. God is dead. Where is a cemetery plot that contains his remains? Shove your neighbor and tell him he's winding up now. Where is the tombstone upon which his name is etched if God is dead? Gamain, where is his assassin? If God is dead, how many men would be strong enough to carry his coffin to its final resting place? If God is dead, where is the funeral home that handled his arrangements? If God is dead, why wasn't I notified? I am not only a member of the family, I'm a firstborn son. God cannot die, not by accident nor assassination, nor by the proclamation of fools. He will never die. He is eternal. He will never grow weary. He will outlast his deniers and all his skeptics. He will not cease to exist because of backslidden church boards and lazy, lustful preachers. He will not be affected by the leaven of the modern Pharisee piling their religious rules and rudiments, nor will he be diminished by the modern Sadducees with their weighty volumes declaring he does not exist. How big is your God if you'll simply act as he did for Peter in humble obedience? God today will heal you just as he healed blind Bartimaeus on the roadside. He'll deliver you today the same way he set the man in Gadara free, possessed by a legion of devils. He'll provide for you financially today as he did when Peter caught a fish and took money out its mouth. He is the same yesterday. He is the same today. He is the same tomorrow. They didn't get much traction with a God is dead theme. So then they jumped on over to, if God's not dead, where did it come from? Ain't much traction. And the elitist decided to change their philosophy. Now they will not ask, is God dead? They ask rather, where did God come from? Their reasoning being, of course, if God had a beginning, then he of necessity would have an ending. Where is that God of undeniable truth? Here he is. He did not come from anywhere. He was simply in the beginning and always has been. From eternity past, when there was nowhere to come from. Job said he hung the earth upon nothing. Hebrews 7.3 shouts it. 
He was without mother. He was without father. He was without genealogy. He was without beginning of days. He is without end of life. God came from nowhere because there was nowhere to come from. Then he stood on non-existence and reached out into the black void. And from that vacuum, he grabbed hold of something that wasn't there and pulled it out of nowhere and hung it on nothing. Then he pointed his finger at it and told it not to move. And nobody disagreed because there wasn't anybody there to talk to it. And then he folded his arms, coach, and he said, I just made something out of nothing. Now let's see what I can do with something. <laughs> so he scooped up the red cold clay called earth, breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, into that lump of earth and made a man. He made a man in his image. Now we got a problem because we are trying to make a God in man's image. I'm gonna preach today about a God who made me in his image. I got to quit. Shout, how big is my God? God never brings a consummation without an initiation. The scientific symbol for infinity is a figure that looks like a number eight on its side. It is never ending. It is a double loop that never stops. Every loop gives him propulsion into the next curve, which creates velocity to hurl him into the next loop. He creates, you understand, his own energy. Consider, as I close, he needs nothing to get going. He needs nothing to continue. What he was, he is. What he is, he will be. So if you can see what he was, you have an indication of what he still is. He is infinite. He is inexhaustible. Your need can never, ever diminish his supply. You don't believe it? No, it's 11.52 and your faith walked out the door two minutes ago. I'm trying to ask you, how big is your God? Your need will never diminish his supply. 
Your sowing can only prompt his provision. And when he has met your need, and when he has paid your rent, and when he has filled your bank account, and when he has put another seed in your hand, and when your car payment is no more, and when your mortgage is paid off, all you will have done is create more than you gave. I'm gonna get through them. Are you ready? I just sat down yesterday and I said, God, give me 56. Give me 56 Bible truths to live by concerning my financial stability. I said, God, tell me what you've told me over the last 30 plus years of leading people out of bondage and beyond their horizon. And he said, I believe I will. I had to quit at 125 and cut it back to 56. Are you ready to write? May I make a suggestion? Get the DVD. And right now, just listen to PRP. <laughs> Number one, recession, rejection, redemption, reception. Number two, when you need a miracle, God will give you an instruction. Number three, God is not a man. Men will lie to you. Men will not fulfill their words. Men will rise up and walk away when they told you they'd stay. God is not a man. He is not slack concerning his promise as some men count slackness, but his promise to you today is yes and amen. Shall I continue? What am I on? Number four, shout which one I'm on. You have the ability to direct divine activity because God forever surrendered his right to act independently in your life. Number five, there is a seed that changes everything. Any one of them I give you, you wanna join in on, just pipe in. Number five, number six, when a word from God is given, reason is never required. Faith and faith alone must answer that door. Number seven, the instruction you choose to obey determines the future you create. Your future is determined, number eight, by who you choose to obey. Number nine, a miracle is what God does when you obey. Number 10, a seed has life in itself. Number 11, a seed is the designated part of a harvest. A seed does not produce a harvest. It came from a harvest indicating to you there's 90 left over. A seed has a nature. That nature is to die. Next, the nature of a seed is not only to die, but to reproduce after its kind. 
Number 14, you are not responsible to perform a miracle just to begin one with a seed. Seed is important. Soil is important. Season is important. Number 16, soil determines the future of your seed. What number, Mom? 17, God cannot schedule your harvest until he has your seed in his hand. God will release what's in his hand when you, when you release what is in your hand toward God, God will release what's in his heaven toward you. Number 19, favor is mine, but it is not fair. 20, the atmosphere of expectancy. The atmosphere of expectancy. The atmosphere of expectancy is a breeding ground of my miracle. The battle is won or lost in the arena of your expectation. Whatever he says to you, just do it. It is impossible for God to do nothing. Once water becomes wine, it never goes back to water again. Your extremity is God's opportunity. A ministry's extremity is your opportunity. Number 26, Jesus was God's harvest in seed form. Number 27, the only way I can change your future is to change whose words you trust. Number 28, the only part of the Bible working for you right now is the part you believe. Shall I believe it all? Number 29, God does not respond to pain. So quit talking to him about it. Pain never gets God's attention. Faith always gets God's attention. Number 30, every transition God ever made, he made with a seed. Number 32, God always delivers with a power resident in a seed. Number 33, an uncommon seed always produces an uncommon harvest. Number 34, a seed leaves your hand, but it never leaves your life. It goes into your future, into a wealthy place and comes back to bless you. God never speaks to you about a seed without a harvest already in mind. If the earth won't yield its grain, heaven will drop its manna. I wish I had half a church. Number 37, the seed is the only hope you have to change your future. Number 38, the word crisis actually is defined turning point. Number 39, Malachi chapter three says that window in heaven is open like a portal that opens for a season and then closes. Number 40, favor makes the source of your distress the channel of your delight. I'm giving you 56 sermons. Number 41, heaven's wealth is in Jesus' hand as the wealth of Egypt was in Joseph's. Number 42, if men won't feed you, a raven's will. Number 43, God's storehouse is not empty. Number 44, there's grain in Egypt. 
Number 45, Psalm 118, send now prosperity. Number 46, somebody shout amen. amen. You're about to receive 10 words, you ready? Abundance in adversity, affluence in affliction, blessing in barrenness, fullness in fragments, fortune in failure, prosperity in poverty, riches in recession, success in scarcity, surplus in shortage, wealth in want. God so valued freedom that today he gives you the opportunity to choose. Hey, thanks for listening to today's episode. If you enjoyed it, I want to invite you to tell someone in your life about the podcast. Hope you'll do it today. Head on over to iTunes and leave a review. Share it on your social networks for me. Really helps me get the word out. I'd love for you to connect with me on Facebook, on Twitter, on Instagram. No easier way for me to minister to you every day and throughout the day and for us to join together in faith as God moves in and through your life. You can find links to all my pages at rodparsley.com. God bless you now, and I hope you'll listen again soon.